Welcome to Earful of Dirt, the Major League Rugby Podcast. Each episode, your hosts bring you news, views, and abuse from America's professional rugby union, along with all the latest on the USA national team. Now, with all that said, let's get on with the show. And we're live. Uh, welcome to Earful of Dirt. I'm at the Strover, and I'm joined by Craig Rodelli. You can find him um, at... Oh, man. That's my old handle. <laughs> wow, that handle doesn't even exist. Yeah, I have my um, old computer. Mm mm fly half yeah. right there. Um, not American RFC. Although maybe we should like start selling soft goods or something out of the old American RFC website. Just start selling memorabilia or something. Yeah, you know, um, it. it could always come back one day. Did you see the um, World War II rugby match that was on um, APSM Rugby Twitter um, this week? I didn't watch it, but I saw, yeah, I saw it on the feed. Yeah. It was pretty cool. Um, no one knows, like, who it was, but, uh, you know, it was it was cool. Like, uh, you had a bunch of American GIs, so maybe even it was a U.S. team versus a team in all black. It was interesting that it was a team in all black because it also it was colorized. So, you know, whenever someone colorizes film, I'm always like, is it supposed to be that color? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> wasn't, uh, wasn't Ken Jelly writing a book about, uh, like, West Point and – are and rugby over the years, maybe, uh, uh not over the I don't, I don't think it's over the years, I think it's about like the generation of West Pointers that like invade that were a part of the Afghan and Iraq invasions that were played rugby. I think it's more, I think it's much more contemporary than you know, focusing on the, the random thousands of West Point rugby players that have you know, obviously served in the country. I think it's actually, I think it's pretty focused because he had written, it was an article that was focused on a specific, I think a year of players, maybe a handful of years. Um, it could be, could be an interesting book. Um, not really. I mean, the rest of his stuff is mostly focused on politics and I'm not, I mean, I don't read, uh, well, no, that would be incorrect. I read a lot on politics and I, I most of it is just not um, good for your soul. I would say um, I, I read stuff that that stuff to be informed, just like stuff about COVID and other medicine. And then, um, well, um, I guess I like to work in rugby and talk about rugby and read about rugby. Um, you know, just uh, so we, here we are. Um, yeah. The Eagles, the Eagles play on Sunday, on the 4th of July, uh, I've seen the roster for England. They haven't named their team yet, but their roster is not the uh, – I would say it's not going to be uh, necessarily an easy an easy task, especially for a team that has not been together in the current form with how many debutants we will have, because whether we like it or not, there's going to be – I think there's going to be at least three debutants named to the 23. There would have to have to be like at least three, probably um, for this roster. I think we went with like 10. Um, so I, I, at least three return. What one scrum half one back three. Uh, I mean, yeah. So one back three, one scrum half, um, maybe a, a back rower um, on there um, on the bench. Um, we'll we'll see. Uh, I, I mean, it could even be in the front row. 
because I mean, Hartman, yeah. we don't need a debutante, right? We have uh, who else is playing loose? Um, who's playing loose head? It's well, it could be a new, but let's assume he plays tight head. Uh, well, I'm, well, I'm assuming he's playing loose head, and Paul Mullen and Dino Waldron are going to be the primary options at tight head. Um, because there is no Eric Fry. Um, so who would you be? I would have to pull that up. Who's the other loose head that we have on Harman. the team? Matt Harmon. No, well, yeah. So I, I think it's going to be, I think Harmon's going to play and uh, we'll, we'll see, really. Um, but uh, the, I guess, um, news uh, is Romania will play in the Arcol de Triumph. Uh, Stadium, Ukraine is vacating premises because they will not be returning to Romania to train. So that's kind of helpful because there's an ownership dispute um, with the home of Romanian rugby hanging in the balance. Um, so, but yeah, uh, Canada has a lot, is going to have a lot of debutantes across the tour too. So, like, we, neither of these teams have been together in any sort of form as they're presently constructed uh the u.s has been in not been in an a camp environment at all whereas um in the fall previous to the mlr season there was a high performance camp that lasted a month that had um the arrows that were in canada and then a bunch of other Canadian players as well in the centralized performance group. So I don't know if that means anything because that was, you know, forever ago and they haven't been together since. Um, but it's, uh, they play Wales and Wales roster was, uh, it's been announced and um, it's a, it's a, it's spicy, it's spicy. It's not that's not to be trifled with. Um, I would say if we're just throwing darts at the board, the England roster will effectively be quote unquote weaker than what Wales puts out against Canada, but it, it's still going to be strong. So. Yeah. I mean, in both cases, I, I wouldn't put much stock in the North American sides emerging victorious this weekend. But yeah. you never know. when it happened, those are the stories. Hey, time, time to go put some tea in the harbor, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so uh, getting into the last weekend's games, um, did you feel that it was like late season blues? Um, because there have been a stretch of weeks where I thought almost – I thought every game was like high quality. Um, whereas this weekend, it was almost as if every game was poor quality because the the difference between uh, the the qualitative differences, I guess the cat the separate that that separates the cream from the crop or the bottom from the top. Man, spitting rhymes right there. Uh, you saw qualitative differences and on the field and. The games just like weren't that good, really. Um, to be honest, except for I, I thought I didn't think the game was that great um, from a from a qualitative perspective. And this is maybe being a bit a bit of a snob, but just the the way the game unfolded and the storylines within the game, I thought Nola versus New England was the best game to really think about um, because there was a lot of 
you know, fisticuffs, uh, like straight up, I'm pretty sure somebody punched another dude in the face like four or five times to be to be nameless. There was also like uh, an AR didn't see somehow remember the number of a dude that literally took, you know, Joely Tikoi Suva's head off when he was trying to score a try. Um, it was number 11, Harry Barlow. It was, um, right in front of you, it was number 11. Hopefully the citation committee is watching the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Uh, so, yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it was um, it's pretty, it's yeah, pretty interesting. interesting. Yeah, I think it's been – most teams have been in this you know, a legit chance to make the playoffs for so long into this long season. And I think this is really the first week where it's becoming clear that teams are falling away. And I think – this has got to be a psychological letdown when we reach that point. Um, so I did. I do think we're starting to see the teams that are are not going to make the postseason uh, starting to fade, you know, a little bit with the intensity. Uh, I think maybe that's why, you know, we're not seeing as as tightly contested, you know, intense games as we had seen for the last two months. Yeah, um, not to be remiss before we get into the games, uh, Liam. Um, Poach is not going to be joining us this evening. Uh, he went spelunking and separated his shoulder. So, I, I mean, I'm glad he had time to go spelunking. You know, like I'm happy for him. But I, I mean, exactly. I was just I was just sitting in front of the excuse. Is that the excuse Bruce Wayne uses in the Batman? Yeah. So maybe he's Batman. Maybe maybe Liam is Batman. He's getting ready for rough justice. <laughs> you know um so yeah uh but let's get into the first one um i thought this game was relatively entertaining when i when i watched it back um uh new york 31 toronto 24 yeah well i mean you listeners probably remember earlier in the season when these teams met in toronto absolutely house new york uh so you know a bit of revenge from new york this week uh, you know, neither side had had all of their key players. New York, particularly, you know, is missing from injury a number of starters. Uh, still, you know, they they were never really they were never they were never behind, and I never felt like um, there was a reasonable chance they were going to lose. But but they never put Toronto away either. Toronto hung with them the whole game. Um, so you know, I think. The couple of takeaways for me here are: I think New York without Dylan Fawcett are uh, really a weaker team. I feel like he brings so much to the squad, and he got hurt early in the game a couple of weeks ago. And uh, I think without him, they they're missing a, a key element that that puts them at their peak level. Um, and Toronto, I think, you know, is one of those teams where you know their their spirit is a bit dead. They had Sam Malcolm back. He, he came into the game. I thought he gave them a bit of life uh, when he showed up. Uh, but other than that, I, I do think they're one of the sides that's uh, had a disappointing year. You know, they, they had a very good point differential, but a very bad record early. And I think it still bred a sense of hope that uh, they'd be able to compete long-term. But a year in Atlanta, I mean, it must be very draining to be away from home that long having a, an unsuccessful season, uh, I think, you know, in the end, they just, they just didn't have the fire to repeat their their earlier victory over the year. I mean, pretty good p- performance for the baby arrows. I mean, uh, to steal a term from somebody else uh, that I 
recorded the different podcast with this week. Um, you probably know who it is, so you know, go listen to that one too. Uh, they didn't have. I think they had like three uh, Canadian call-ups: Will Kelly, Tyler Rowland, and somebody else. But the rest of their players were rested. And you saw that really across the league. Most of the Canadian players that had been called up were rested and began their travel, I guess, early. Not really sure exactly what uh, happened there. I think maybe Canada was like, hey, can you, um, can you, can you rest for guys, please? Because some of them are banged up. Uh, because the, the international window started on Sunday. So, um, they could have played on Saturday, especially the teams that were like sort of East coast based and the games that were East coast based. But um, yeah, um, I, I thought Toronto played pretty well, uh, obviously with an eye to the future for next year with some of the young guys getting a lot of time. Um, I mean, they got nothing left. So it's like, you know, they, they lost their Uruguayans they lost their Canadian national team players. So it's, um, you know, it's uh, the replacements of the replacements or it's, it's time to get them some time. Um, moving on to like w- the strongest game for me of the weekend, you have uh, NOLA 17 versus uh, to nine beating New England away. Uh, NOLA continue to be impressive uh, with their gameplay. Uh, you know, two seasons ago, even last season in the, in the constrained period, um, they were a high-flying team. They scored. They scored a lot of points. They were an offensive team. What they didn't have in the first three seasons across the board was they didn't have defense. And now they they've brought. Um, you know, I think Nate Osborne has sort of flipped the script um, in a sense that, especially with how injured that team is, you basically have you know a couple starting second rows gone. Um, and then you have like a whole starting back line basically gone or, or two starting back lines, really the amount of injuries they have had. So it's very, it's very hard to get consistency and gain cohesion and belief in the system, especially on attack. But what they've been able to do on defense, which is um, especially with the help of Carl Meyer back, um, uh, which we all thought was really a season ending injury. They're able to pin teams back and, then again, be one of the most disciplined teams in the league. This was a must win. Basically every game after their last home game is a must win. Um, they didn't give uh, New England a chance to, to score points. And when New England could have gone to their set piece, um, they chose to go for points instead. Um, and when, you know, in the other half of that, and their set piece also didn't work um, because, you know, you have Cam Dolan going in the air. Um, and being able to disrupt or steal uh, lineups. Uh, and then um, it shows you how sort of like where the where the bench is. You know, Kane Thompson comes in at number eight. William Wagaspak, who I thought played really well for, for 40 minutes in his first start in Major League Rugby. And I think he's been sort of with the gold since the first season. He's a young lock who hasn't played a lot of, I guess, sport. And rugby, uh, he started playing rugby, uh, you know, I think what he was like, maybe a junior or senior in high school, but wasn't, wasn't sporty growing up, if that makes sense, which is, he's a, he's like six foot seven. 
you know, and he wasn't like he wasn't really an athlete until the end of his high school years. And then when he went to college at Louisiana Tech, I believe. And so now and then he he signed for the gold almost immediately and you know made the under 20s back uh, way back in the day during season one. Um, and he's just been trying to learn the game. I mean, good. They've they believe in him. So but. Just on attack, uh, they were able to hit the space, hit space, and use their set piece for their their one try. And then, obviously, they got that penalty try um, from JoJo to Kobe Suva, who also had come back from an injury. Who um, obviously wasn't credited with the try because, like I said earlier, Harry Barlow almost took his head off um, with a high tackle uh, at like the one meter line, which couldn't touch, uh, but. Uh, they found the space when they needed to, and they played really good defense. And it's it's just, in a sense, they're they're Toronto in the fact that the rest of their season is away. But I think it really says when a team is that battered, now they don't have any depth. Like like this is the rest of their depth because they're they lost their they lost their starting um, front row effectively because yeah. uh, Howard and. Uh, Pat O'Toole are basically, I wouldn't say they're interchangeable, but pretty close. I think Pat O'Toole has started more this season than Howard has, but Howard has started games this season and played a lot off the bench. So they're, they're basically without a starting front row, um, which sucks. A bit. One of the things that's been good for them is they've been so consistent in their, in having, you know, those two, two props all the time, but their backups haven't been healthy throughout the whole season. So and they're you know, been so good. I mean, you know, it, it's going to be a big loss for them for sure. So um, moving on to, well, I think, so, I mean, first of all, I was shocked that Superbrew had no at like 29% support. I mean, I would have thought they were the favorite going to this game. Apparently really? crazy. I mean, I mean, they were ahead of free jacks in the standings. Weren't yeah, they? But, well, I think they were tied, and the Free Jacks were undefeated at home at that point. So maybe that helps uh, New York in a few weeks. You know, yeah. maybe. maybe. Yeah. But I think, uh, New York, I think Nola not being a bonus point. Um, yeah, it's actually. I mean, it, obviously, it's a good win, especially when people apparently thought they were going to lose. But, I mean, they, they really do need bonus point wins at this point. They're they are starting to drop out. They do have normal games. Uh, so yeah, I think. Hey, all they gotta do is beat New York, dude. That's all they gotta do. I mean, New York. That is really true because if you look at the New York schedule, um, if New York is gonna head into a must-win this weekend, and New England is tough, and we'll get to that uh, going forward. Uh, Obviously, the road home for for New Orleans is tough, but getting into the playoffs is completely doable. They just at the end of the day, the game that they need to win is in New York, and yeah. that game that game is in in New York. But I, I'm going to double check this right now. But aren't they four points behind uh, New York right now? So they could win that game and still not make the playoff because New York gets two bonus points and they get none. Uh, or I guess that was. Yeah, you, my- do you think New York is going to get those two bonus points? This is why we're moving on to the next game, and we're going to talk about it in the second half. You know, um, twenty-four Utah, five Houston. Craig, and stop being a homer. You're an analyst. Let's go. 
Uh, I'm just talking about numbers here, my man. But, uh, you know, Utah also helping themselves uh, a lot here with the win. I mean, I, I think most people expected Utah to win. It was actually probably closer uh, for most of the game than folks would have, would have expected. I think the final score doesn't really do justice for Houston's performance. I think I believe it's still 5 nothing at the half uh, in, in Houston's favor. Uh, so... I mean, Houston came out. Utah was it was not working for Utah. Uh, Houston play. Houston has shown games where they play strong defensive stretches. Like they've shown the will to get up there and play rabid defense for periods of games. And I, I feel like you got that in the first half. But but the second half, you know, whether it was just Utah overcoming or Houston beginning to tire, uh, you know, Utah scored a bunch of points at the end. Uh, got themselves the bonus point. Uh, yeah, one. Uh, yeah, I actually, I think I had them up by uh, winning by twelve, which they were winning by until like two seconds, yeah, two minutes before the end. Uh, and they scored another try, so I lost my margin point in Super Bowl. But uh, um, yeah, good performance from Houston defensively for most of the game. Solid win for Utah. They need to win like that. They need bonus point wins against teams like Houston. Um, and you know, with that win, they really put the screws to Austin. And Austin, you know, we'll get to later in this podcast, but was really forced to keep pace in a, in a more difficult contest if they didn't want to get eliminated. Yeah, I, I thought Utah performed pretty well. I kind of felt like they were gonna they were gonna fall off, but I, you know, a couple of weeks ago they played. Uh, they they traveled to New York and, and got a win with a much rotated roster. So I think we saw something about what their depth could do, and we saw something about what their depth could do here. The only issue I think going forward for Utah is how much time Christensen has gotten, which I think if we even go back to the New York game, um, you know, I don't think he's played at like – not that he's played a full game, but I don't think he's had 80 minutes of game time this season. And that is their third scrum half. So I think that's a bit uh, concerning, but Schulte is obviously hasn't been called by Germany. Um, and Lubzer hasn't been called by Namibia. So they are good uh, at the fly half and fullback position for this um, for the next couple of weeks. And so it's, it's going to be interesting at the nine spot for them, but um, they're not that affected overall. Uh, I would say they are, you know, lower grade in their attacking options, losing both Cruze and Teo and Whiting. But I think for as a fly half or playmaking 12 option, they have, you know, options available uh, right now because, guys have gotten healthy. Whereas, you know, three weeks ago, if you told me that Whiting was getting called up, I would have said, who's, who's playing 10 or who's playing 12. Um, because Schulte has been banged up this season, obviously looks pretty healthy right now. Um, so it, it's a, I think they're, I think they have a good shot. Um, I, I think they're pretty secure based on their, their season. I don't think they, I don't think LA is in, they don't need to win the last game of the season for them. No, they don't. I mean, I think it's, you know, they, they have Atlanta and LA left. So I think it's reasonable to expect they lose both of their remaining games. But I think they, they only need, like, to be really, really safe, they only need, like, one bonus point. 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think it all comes down to whether Austin can beat LA because Austin has LA too. So if Austin loses to LA, even if Utah lose out, I mean, it's almost all I need is to match Austin in bonus points. I think it really, like, it really depends on how healthy LA is, which we'll get to um, towards the end of the review period. But yeah, you know, um, it's going to be what it is. Um, Moving on, uh, DC 12, Atlanta 32, kind of what I expected. Not a lot of connection with uh, what DC was doing. Um, The roster is just really banged up. Um, Scrimmage-wise, they're not really matching up with um, a lot of teams, whereas I want to say the front row did pretty well in spurts at the beginning of the season. In this one, not. Um, I think Bautista is Kura is coming around as a 10 for, for Atlanta. He's not like my first option, but when it comes to territory and ball control, he's a guy, he's not Carolsa and he's not Coleman, but as a third option, um, at 10, he's, he's very good with his foot. I mean, he kicked for over 500 meters yeah. and discriminate like the way he kicks, it's, it's not it doesn't seem to have the same tactical juice as Carlson and Coleman. Like he seems to just kick bomb or hail Marys all the time with no like re- rhyme or reason. So he gains a lot of meters, but I feel like he he's giving up on promising attacking opportunities with low probability kicks. Just he's, he's like so eager to kick all the time. So I don't well, know. He's, he's clearly an Irish. He's clearly an Irish fly half that just likes to play kick tennis because he just kicks it all over. I think the biggest thing for them is just allowing um, their defense to play, and it wasn't it wasn't the same you know attacking style of kicking that Caroso will play. Whether it's when if he puts it up in the air, you know where he knows where a guy's going to be able to run it down. Whether it's O'Keefe for Masalagalu. Or longer, I don't even know how Tay Ray. I am not even gonna try. Um, it's a W. It starts with a W. Um, whether, whether like I think Carlson knows like how those guys will rush um, after the ball pretty well. Um, whereas Iskara, yeah, I think he just sort of kicks it deep and you know hopes the guys just play yeah. defense. But I think that plays into what they want to do. Like if I kick because, it up, maybe one of my guys will chase it down or we'll because. Because what Atlanta does, and which is how they beat, um, is how they beat LA is they play this pressure defense that is fully cl- fully square. So if you play that, it they also play in an umbrella. So if you you if you can't, and this is why uh, if you're fit and you don't and you win the point of contact, um, like with how fast LA plays. Like with how fast LA plays, you can really expose um, sort of that defense. But if if that defense is able to contain mostly uh, a fast attack that require requires tempo and quick ball, and they just batter you, that they're going to win. So I think you have to mix um, mix a bit of making Atlanta's attack play, which um, DC couldn't do. Sorry. Um, they they gave up the ball inside their own half and could have been worse, I thought, uh, just with the way Atlanta can play. Uh, but um, 
it's it's going to be interesting for DC. I think Tusitala may be coming back, but Robertson's gone. He's on a two year contract to Rossing Narbonne. Losing a few other players. Um, apparently, Zimbabwe thought about calling up both Robertson and um, Mungo Mason, but uh, Mungo Mason is cap tied to uh, Scotland via Scotland Sevens. So I thought that was an interesting one. Uh, I, I didn't know Robertson was Zimbabwean or qualified for Zimbabwe. So, so that's cool, you know? Uh, but yeah, it, you know, uh, it's a, it's a tough one. Uh, DC had a lot of injuries at the wrong time of the year and uh, at the right point of the year, uh, Atlanta gained a bunch of depth, uh, you know, and they probably would have had that depth at the beginning of the year. If uh, visas and just travel out of South Africa wasn't insane. Cause I think that was most of, wasn't really, visas for a lot of South African players this year. It was just the amount of flights that got canceled on the daily um, that just basically stranded dudes in South Africa for months. So um, moving to Austin 33-14 San Diego. Yeah, another another game of vengeance. Uh, you know, early in the season, San Diego just uh, outfought Austin. Uh and you know, again, San Diego after their loss last week was um, in pretty long odds. Uh, but you know, Austin needed this win badly to keep pace with Utah. And I think this is probably—I would say this is Austin's best game of the year. I mean, their defense has been good all year, but their offense is really starting to click. Uh, this was Ruben DeHaas's best performance, I thought, at, at Austin. Uh, of course, he's got still—it was still so-so. I mean, it was, it was still so-so, but at least there was better. It was better. <laughs> Well, yeah, yeah. So, so. moments where I felt like he was contributing, you know, he's po- making positive contributions. Uh, he's gone now to USA, but uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, really strong performance from Austin. I think, I think it's going to be a tough road for them uh, looking forward, uh, having to go through LA. I, I really think they need to beat LA if they want to have a chance to pass Utah in the standings. Uh, but if they're going to beat LA, I think they're, getting to that right peak because their defense has been strong all year and their attack. I think in I think in May I, I did this math from a call I think a couple weeks ago, but I believe in May they scored something like 60 total points. Uh and in June now they actually scored like 130. So I mean way you know their attack has really kicked to life since uh the return of Connor Mooneyham and uh Zinzan Elon Puttick. And uh I think they're they're shaping up to take their shot at LA. And I think they're going to need a win there. Yeah. I think the biggest change um, was just the, not that Matt Mason couldn't be a 10. I mean, he's primarily, I think he's played a lot of fullback uh, with Will McGee being um, injured with, I believe it was concussion. Not, not wholly sure. Don't quote me on that, but I know he was injured uh, shifting Mason to full back to fullback and having Morath start at 10 was, was really the thing that changed their attack uh, throughout the seat throughout the season. Cause if whether it was Will McGee in the first couple of games, at 10 and then switching to Mason, not, not that the connection between Cowley and those two players wasn't there. It just, whatever they were doing wasn't working. And then Morath, I just, his experience and just how he knows how to pat, like distribute balls has really helped them. And then, you know, that, that takes pressure off the midfield and, you know, in the centers other than Campbell, it's 
they've had a lot of interchange in the with with his pair, you know, whether he's been forced to play 13 or 12. Um, and then they're just their wings have been so banged up. Like at, at one point, I think I need to go look, but it was like Roderick Waters who can, you know, rise up to the challenge and has been a game breaker, but I don't think that's his game every um Every every week, he's more of a a hustle and work rate kind kind of wing um, than it is a, a pure finisher or game breaker that can just slice through people all the time. He can do that at times, but he's a little bit smaller um, and he's just more of a he's more of a work rate guy. Um, but now I think that they've got everyone in. Um, they're pretty good. Um, and which is good to see when you look at them from a couple of years ago, they were, they went undefeated. Oh, and 16, not the other kind of undefeated, not the good kind of undefeated, the bad kind of other kind of undefeated, (laughs) but, uh, uh, yeah, uh, you know, uh, there were points of this game early on where you were, where you thought SD was going to win the launch point, but you thought SD was going to win the point of contact and it just wasn't there. Uh, the defense for Austin held firm and then they found their attack and their rhythm. And, you know, um, they won, they won the set piece battle and that was important because, um, you know, it's been, it's been tough. Uh, but, Gosh, an absolute hoss as a loose head. That guy is yeah. just gigantic. I don't know how anybody scrums against him. He's he's a big boy. Like as a loose head, he's probably one of the. I don't know if he's the tallest loose head ever, but he's six foot four. So yeah. like he's he's like, like Frankenstein. I mean, he's a giant. So, uh, but moving on, LA twenty nine, Seattle fourteen. Uh, you know. Uh, sorry guys like I looked at that LA roster not that I looked at the Seattle roster and said they could do this I didn't I didn't think so necessarily but I thought it would be a little bit closer because not that the LA roster is strange the LA roster shows that they are banged up and it shows that they were more banged up this game than they were immediately after their captain's run before the San Diego game, Christian Rodriguez first start. He played 80 minutes. Um, Harrison Goddard wasn't even on the roster. Um, I thought their tempo was pretty good on attack. They, they still did a lot of switches, um, but it, it just wasn't necessarily the same. It didn't really need to be the same because sneakily they have the second best defense in the league. Um like ranked defense, I, I, I think I think mean, actually crept into first now. It's, um, uh, and you know, so other than I mean, Lawina Foodie as a twelve worked okay. He still was used more as like a wing option. He ended up with over a hundred meters uh, made, and then you had Sitiveni uh, Tamaivena come back. Uh, and play opposite his brother for a league first, which is twins playing. Um, and, you know, Suliasi played pretty well. He still got like 70 meters, I think, or maybe it was like 50 meters made. Uh, but overall, their, their bench front row, uh, sorry. Um, it, it Like, uh, I think, uh, hallelujah, Lee, uh, 
not even not even gonna try. Uh, came directly off of the uh, from the Seattle Rugby Club. Uh, if he he went back like in high school, he made the Washington Loggers. So as like a a younger player, he at least made select side. But really, a young young I would say not crazily experienced player. Same with Henry Hall. He was a Seattle Rugby Club guy. And then Gavin Prentiss, who got some time in two games earlier in the season. But I think he got like 23 minutes across the... Then he got like 20 minutes against in the LA game when they traveled down to LA. And it was... Uh, you know, when they... Pl- even against the reserve front row of LA, and I'm not saying the, the reserve front row of LA was any good. They did... They the the scrums were. I'm not going to say they were dangerous. They just weren't good, you know. Yeah. Um, and I've confirmed by the way, LA has conceded the fewest points in the league as of this week. Nice, nice. So now sneakily, the first ranked defense in the league. Um, and, and it shows more because they've their their point scoring has just downtrended um, from the very beginning of the season. So. Uh-oh. Did I lose Craig? Lost Craig. Oh, he says the power just went out. Big thunderstorm here. Uh, so uh, that'll be fun. Um, uh, so uh, it'll be interesting. We'll see if uh, the Craigery comes back. But uh, moving on to our previews, uh, Seattle versus San Diego. So we're going to go in and, you know, I, I think, you know, San Diego is going to bring a lot of pride. You've got Joe Peterson um, still leading the charge here. And you're going to have a young Seattle squad going down there and a lot of experimentation with Alan Clark still going on. It's going to be really, it's going to be a really young roster that goes down to San Diego. I'm not sure what to expect. Um, And then you've still got some veterans in San Diego that want um, to make a statement and end their season on a strong note. Uh, I think I'm going to go with uh, San Diego minus seven. That's going to be pretty safe. Um, and I guess if Craig joins us, uh, I'll be able to uh, say what's up. New York at New England. Uh, this is, uh, I know that we previously talked about this earlier on the show, but uh, I think it's going to be a, it's definitely a must win for, uh, New York, if they lose this game, they will end up maybe tied with Nola, maybe ahead by Nola, of Nola by a point uh, going into the next round. But um, if Dane Holland's head comes back, that gives them an edge at the fly half. I think at uh, although I think at fly half they've been okay uh, with Harry Bennett and also with Connor McManus at scrum half they've been pretty good. I want to see more of Connor Buckley play uh, just because. We haven't seen him play a lot. Uh, if if they can get their attack going and play the possession game with their, their kickers, uh, it's it's going to be interesting. They are missing a lot of pieces. Uh, oh, were you listening to me talk about how bad your New York team was, Craig? I wasn't. The, I, I, my house, I think, was struck by lightning. The power went out here for a couple minutes, but I am back. So, we're fine. The dog was barking, but uh, otherwise everything seems good. McNugget, how's she doing? She's quite frightened at the moment. But generally speaking, she, she enjoy well. having two siblings. Oh yeah, two, she two, loves it. Two, two humans living. She's like um, a nanny. 
So I was saying about New York. Um, I got oh, I did the preview on San Diego versus Seattle, but you need to make your pick. Uh, I will take San Diego by six. I went seven, so you know. And the uh, kind of womp womp last Shields final rematch with absolutely no stakes. Yeah. Um. So with New York, it's I think it's going to be interesting. Uh, obviously, we know Ryan Martin is leaving the Free Jacks to go coach the attack for the Melbourne Rebels next season. Um, and uh, they have most of their roster, whereas New York has pieces that are gone um, to the Eagles, so it makes for an interesting game. Yeah, I think totally an interesting game. I mean, classic rivalry. Everyone knows how I love those. Uh, New York won the earlier match. That was in New York. As you say, New England had been undefeated prior to this at home prior to this week. Um, I, I still think the issue is that New England is a team that thrives on forcing mistakes and capitalizing on those mistakes. You know, they're a, a pressure-based team. They, they bring intense defensive charges uh, hope, or, you know, pressure on a line out, whatever. Hope that you're going to fumble the ball, make a bad pass, and then they pounce on that very effectively. Um, I do think New York, especially in the second half of the season, is more careful. You know, that they don't make as many careless plays. Uh as some other teams do. So I, I think they have the right stuff to win this one. Um, they are missing some key players. Uh, so, you know, we'll, we'll see what the actual lineups end up being. Uh, but right. Yeah. Assuming that, uh, yeah, I, I think I'm hoping that Andy Ellis and Kara Pryor will be back. Uh, so I, I'm going to say you're by five. You're by five. I, it depends on who comes back. If Dan Holland's head is just available. I wouldn't say him starting. I would say if he can play off the bench, that would be helpful. Um, this, is Andy Ellis coming back if he can play off the bench? I, I would like to see Connor Buckley. I, I really would. I think there was a lot of hype around him going into the draft last year, and then he ends up going undrafted. In part, I think that was because he, he really had wanted to stay in New York and, you know, moving – across the country on an associate player contract may not be ideal, but he still entered the draft so that he could be signed and then, you know, come what may, but we just haven't seen a lot of him and the limited, I don't think he's played more than 15 minutes. So I don't really know what I'm seeing. Um, and I know he, you know, he's, he's in the camp and he's practicing, but I'd like to see him play. So if, if he's on, if he can be on the roster and they can get to a, not a decently, but, but somewhere, I would like to see if he can, what he can do for New York after a lot of the fanfare, you know? Um, but yeah, I, I'm not at seven or what well, you were at five. I'm going to go closer to New York, but it's still New York at two minus two. All right. Um, DC at Toronto in Atlanta. Uh, I don't really know what to expect. Even if, like, you look at these rosters, it's going to be a very, very young Toronto team. 
um, after everyone is completely gone, even so you you don't have Roland, you don't have Kelly, you don't have um, I forget who else it was, but you don't have any of those guys. And I know that Kobe Faust got to play. Um, so I'd like to s- see a little bit of him. Um, there was a post in the Arrow supporters group on Facebook, free Kobe. <laughs> so Co- I thought, you know, in, in the, in the spurt that he did play, play pretty well. Um, but they've got Taylor Adams and they've got, Sam Malcolm together, and if they both start, if you put Taylor Adams at 10 and Sam Malcolm at 15, that gives you really two good attacking options with two good controlling feet. And, you know, at the end of the day, DTS has not had a great season in his return to, to D.C., and he's, his kicking hasn't been the greatest, so that's really put the onus on Robertson. Um, as their kicking threat, and they don't have a, a center with a foot or, or, or even a wing with a foot. I mean, they had Dabalus, but Dabalus is um, with the Eagles. So they're, they're missing some territory controlling factors. Um, and they're a little bit banged up uh, additionally. So you're going to have a banged up but young and, and feisty Arrows team versus a just banged up and older DC team. <laughs> yeah. I want to say the baby arrows by five. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I agree with you. I think, it, yeah, this was going to, this had the fixes to be a close match and it probably would be a close match. Uh, but DC, uh, I think, is in a, a low morale period. And frankly, I think um, Dabalus was doing a lot of the, the yeoman's work back there, cleaning up a lot of the aerial game from the other sides. Uh, like you said, DTS really wasn't taking a very active role in in taking high balls and and, and trying to clear kicks. So with him gone and at a team with a kicking prowess of potentially an Adams and a Sam Malcolm, um, and you know, final home game. So I do I do feel like Toronto's going to have the edge here. Um, so I'll yeah. I'll say uh, I'll say Toronto by six. All right. Um, final game of the weekend is actually going to be kind of nice. There's only four games this weekend. Um, Nola games. What? Only four non-international games. Oh yeah, I'm not going to. Well, I'm going to I'm going to try and watch USA England, but I'm not going to pay the piper for it either. Um, Nola at Los Angeles. So this is why. As a pure analyst, I have observed that NOLA, even being New York, may not be enough. Because look at NOLA's schedules. They're going to L.A., obviously a tremendously difficult uh, contest for anyone. Uh, you get new, you know, L.A.'s health versus resting versus you know whatever is uncertain. I think that's really NOLA's best chance. I mean, I think it, NOLA has got to be hoping that L.A. is either – you know, hurt and can't start their their choice players, or is just choosing to rest them for the playoffs because I mean LA is pretty locked into the playoffs. Um, if that's the case, I think Nola have a chance. They they need this win pretty badly themselves. Um, but I, I think all things considered, it's going to be hard for me to pick LA to lose at home. Uh, so I'm going to say uh, I'm going to say uh, LA by nine. It's a, it really depends on if they get anyone back this week because if they don't and they run that roster out 
I think Nola could get a bonus point. I'm not saying Nola could win. I mean, Nola have just been doing things away from home that are insane. And I'm a believer in what Coach Osborne and Ryan Fitzgerald and just the culture. Like, culture helps you win games that make no sense. Um, like, if you if you have this belief in each other um, and you just play hard defense, you can – and you just beat people up that helps you win games. Um, whereas like skill and stuff, I think really pay like leans on is what attack is dealt with. Like if you are less skilled, you're just not going to play well on attack. Uh, if, if that same roster that went out against Seattle plays against Nola, I think Nola could get a bonus point, maybe two. Um, because, it, it just depends. I think they can get a losing bonus point, but if it if they have, you know, Goddard and Geet, if they have a full strength roster, then I'm not, you know, I'm not gonna like. It's probably LA by fourteen if it's a full strength roster. But I think I'm trying to figure out which game LA is gonna ship. Um, is it gonna be the last game or is it gonna be this game? You know, well, they have three games left, right? Yeah. Um, okay, yeah. so they play, so they play Austin. So I'm trying to figure out where they going to ship. Yeah. So not, I would say they may not ship the Utah game. Well, they better not ship Austin because God knows the Gil the Gil is the Gil Spiracy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so maybe they ship this one, or maybe not that they'll ship it. Maybe they just can't. Like maybe they aren't healthy enough this week. Yeah. Because, I mean, guys are banged up. That's a fact. So maybe they need another week, and maybe it's close, and Nola eke it out, or Nola – No, I think Nola can get a bonus point. I think they're strong enough defensively, depending on what roster L.A. puts out. If it's a full-strength roster, then, then no. But if it's what they sent to – if it's what they sent to Seattle, I think it's it's definitely doable especially depending on who is on Nola's bench. Nola's backup props, I'm going to have I, I'm going to have questions about, but that's the same with what LA had on their bench last week against Seattle. Like not to say that the the Seattle bench props were any good, you know, but I'm just there's some concern there, I think, um which could but if, again, full strength roster LA by like 16 um, same roster as last week. LA by five. I guess you know it's not. Yeah. So so play this forward. So yeah, let's say even though get a bonus point this week, yeah, I don't know. Maybe New York get a bonus point at least against New England. Um, now New York has Houston next week, which you presume would be five points for them. So you know. You know. You presume. So, I mean, that means Nola's going to New York, still trailing at best by four points. Uh, so, I think, you know, they, they I could. I think you, you have to, for Nola, Nola's path literally goes through New York. They have to beat New York to make it. Whereas New York, York, whereas New York, New New York, York win against New England and Nola lose this week, Nola's pretty much out. Yeah, well, definitely. I think if. If they both win, then you're you're looking at final round showdown. If 
If no one lose, the leg, then yeah, they're definitely they're. If in. they both lose and get a bonus point, and it's still sort of Nola's hope is the last that it comes down to the wire. Yeah, Nola's got because Nola, Nola. The only way for Nola to get, they're still in it, but they've got a let. They've got a, not a lead foot, as in you know their foot's on the accelerator. They've just got. Well, not a lot. Let's go with a ball and chain. They've got cement they've, boots. They've, they've got they've got <laughs> an anchor. Yeah, cement boots. They've got cement. They've got cement rugby boots holding them back. They're still in it, but and it can be done, which is which is the reverse of what happened in season two, where they went and then they went, you know, um, and whereas they could win ten games this year and not make the playoffs, so. Um, uh, USA plays England on July 4th. Uh, what are you thinking? I mean, I got a lot of belief I mean, in, I, in our yeah. boys. I but, think it's going to be a great learning but, experience <laughs> for Team USA who have not played in over a year from COVID. Uh, great way to gain some knowledge ahead of the Rugby World Cup qualifiers and ultimately the next Rugby World Cup. Uh, I think it's a great opportunity to see some young people, some new combinations that we haven't seen. Um, so, and to see a really, uh, for the first time, I think a really MLR dominated side I mean, with, with no AJ McGinty, unfortunately, due to injury. I think not only is the team majority MLR, but I feel like the, the star players are MLR too. I mean, maybe you have some front row international players that are, you know, important. If they even start, which I'm not sure is even going to be the case. So I mean, I think you really, for the first time, are seeing an MLR, uh, you know, a, a strongly MLR. Your, your scrum half will probably be an MLR player, an MLR dominated Eagle side. So I'm, I am excited for that. I do not think they're going to win, but God knows, I'll be hoping they do. And if they do, I will be very happy, and we'll talk about this for years to come. Yeah. Uh... If if we keep the deficit under thirty, actually, let me let's go look at um, USA versus England World Cup twenty nineteen. Not no, not soccer. Ew. I think we lost by thirty two or something in that World Cup match. Uh, rugby. Okay, yeah, um, 38, 45-7. If we can score two tries and we keep the deficit, let's go for 30. That's, that's what I, – I understand that is a horrible outlook, but this squad has, in its current construct even, let's just take – if we had most of the World Cup squad – minus the retired guys and then some newbies. The squad still hasn't been together in almost two years. Yep. So yeah. I didn't care about the score. I just I'm not expecting a good performance when most of that England team has been in a camp, let alone having played in the Six Nations, let alone having played in the Autumn Internationals. But most of that England team has been in a camp since the middle of May. What? So, yeah, if we can stay, we can score two tries and keep the deficit under 30. 
I'll be happy. And then if we can take that into Ireland and keep the deficit under 20 points, I'll be very happy. And then if we Canada back to back, I will be ecstatic. And more than just an aggregate victory. I don't want an aggregate victory. I want to beat them. Um, and But since this is a podcast that covers all of Major League Rugby and there are Major League Rugby players on Team Canada, many of whom we know, many of whom we like, um, many of whom we are acquaintances and many of whom we are friends with. Um, they play Wales. And I just don't know. Um, yeah. I, think, I think they're in much of the same environment that the Eagles are, but I think it might be worse. They're even bigger questions. They had, I, I, I couldn't they had all their, all, like half their European players um, injured, done, nothing. You know, um, I, I know. I mean, I, I think I couldn't even guess who's going to start for Canada. I, I think Lucas Rumball, Lucas Lucas Rumball, like that's at that's all positions. He'll be fly half. Uh, <laughs> he could he could do it. You know. Yeah, I mean, obviously, yeah, there's MLR contingent like Lucas Rumball, uh, who I hope gets some time. But I, I you know, I, they're just. They're such a young team. They're in such a rebuilding phase. I think this. I, mean, I think this will be a great experience for them too. This will be a fantastic experience. I, I, if I were a Canadian supporter, just like I, as I am for the Team USA, I would not be that concerned about the score. I think what you hope for, you see some potential out there. You see people play hard, don't get injured. Uh, you know, look like they're. Only a, a, a small margin away from being able to compete at a higher level, uh, and that they you know they learn something that they could leverage against the USA later this year. Um. So some housekeeping. Uh, we know at least three coaches are going uh, at the end of the season. Uh, Darren Coleman officially announced that he's been released from his contract at uh, the LA Guiltinis uh, following the completion of the season. Um, so they intend to win a championship and then send him on his merry way to New South Wales, and uh, where he will coach the New South Wales 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 uh, Waratahs in Super Rugby AU or Trans Tasman or whatever they play in next. Um, Not a good morale look for your shield run. Uh, uh, and then Ryan Martin um, has accepted the position of the Melbourne Rebels attack coach. Uh, so. New England will be on the hunt for a another coach that I think fits the culture that they're trying to build, which is you know someone who can be innovative and teach, um, and have like a very strong teaching background. And Paul Healy will be helping with the transition and identifying a successor. Poor Paul. And then, yeah. I, uh, and then after because he, he they decided not to renew his contract, neutral. I don't know, um, but. I think there may be another coach to follow. I, I don't know. But Dallas needs a head coach because Clark has taken over the permanent head coach position at uh, Seattle. So there's at least four coaching jobs, one from a team that didn't start um, this season. So, But at least four head coaching jobs that need to be filled um, for next season. So, um, uh, and then... Uh, Stars and Stripes, Women's Eagles, uh, play a match that will be on Facebook Live on the 10th. Um, so, 
I'm glad it's free and stuff, and that it's going to be produced somewhat and going to be on Facebook. But I'm also going, hey, Flo Rugby, you own the rights to the Eagles. Why aren't you investing resources into this? Oh, it's because it, uh, I'm not going to say it's not because it's not a test match. I'm just, hey, you guys own the rights to our production and broadcast. Why aren't you trying to make this an event? Um, and that is to say, USA plays England on flow and USA plays Ireland on flow. And it is, if you want to watch it legally, it is going to cost you for per month. If you if you do the month thing, just because you don't want to spend, just because you don't want to spend one hundred and twenty dollars, you may have to spend sixty dollars, um, because to get the two months that they will play games this uh, year, uh, it's thirty dollars um, for a month, and then a hundred. No, it's like a hundred and fifty dollars now for, um, for a year. It's it's expensive. It is not. It is not that? <laughs> for, for what means would anyone buy the year? I mean, like the difference between paying month a uh, monthly versus paying for the year on the Peacock and ESPN Plus is a dollar. And like those things, there's content all year round. Unlike yeah. this, where there's only two months of anything you'd want to watch, and yeah, for the most part. Well, unless you're into track, I mean, I, I'm kind of recording. I'm kind of into track, but, but do you even get that for the, or is it just rugby you get? For no, the- no, no, no. It, it's the, so the rugby thing was only at the beginning and it was like, tw- if you just bought rugby when they first launched flow rugby, it was $20 for the year for just, just rugby content, nothing else. And it would have been cool, but they never like added content. They never paid for production of new content. I know that Life University is on the platform, but it's like a two-camera production, as far as I know. It's not. Um, it's not the greatest. They just own sort of the distribution rights. They don't pay for the production or anything. So, um, you know, it is what it is. You're not getting much out of flow, um, and that goes until 2024. And we've beaten that dead horse a few times. So, um, yeah. Um, should be a good round of games. Um, should be some good test matches this weekend. Hopefully the Lions play the Lions at 9 a.m. on Saturday. Hopefully, or 9 a.m. my time, so 12 Eastern on on the East Coast, um, hopefully. Uh, I, I don't know because South Africa went to, like, level four lockdown the other day. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, if you watch this whole thing, thank you very much. You can find me at the Strobro on Twitter and Craig Gardelli at my thing during the power outage. Yeah, you did. I'm I'm happy for you. You finally grew up, and you can find Craig Gardelli at MM Fly Hat. Thanks for listening to Earful of Dirt, the Major League Rugby podcast. Connect with your hosts via Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Earful of Dirt. Visit our website at earfulofdirt.com or email us your thoughts and questions to earfulofdirt at gmail.com. Please note, Aaron Castro is employed by Major League Rugby. His opinions are his own.